welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. I am so thrilled to share today's interview with you. I loved the conversation that I had with today's guest. Her name is Suzanne Kingsbury and she is the founder of the Gateless Methodology. If you have dreams that you want to realize and you know that limiting beliefs or that internal critic is holding you back, then her methodology helps to create a framework to move forward on your passions. And she's going to walk us through it today. Suzanne is a best-selling author who had tremendous success with her very first book. The agent who had sold Memoirs of a Geisha and Cold Mountain sold Suzanne's book to Scribner for one of the biggest deals of the year for a first novelist. And foreign rights were coming in and film options were on the way. And her writing dreams were realized. Now, this was back when she was in her early 30s. So as the years went ahead, she realized she had a bigger calling, and it was to help new writers experience the sweetness of publishing. And so Suzanne today is an author, editor, book shaman, publishing consultant, and writing coach. But as you will discern from this interview, she is so much more. And her work is just a unique blend of self-care, brain science, focusing on the positive of your work, your contributions, and moving away from our culture of criticism to reconnect with your creativity and power. Now, the thing is, you don't need to be a writer to learn from the show. This work that she does is for everyone. It really awakens you to become a better person, a better partner, even a better parent. I hope that you love this episode as much as I do. I look forward to introducing you to Suzanne. So let's get on into the show. Hi, Suzanne. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. I'm thrilled to have you on today. Um, we've not met. We connected through, um, I just learned about your work and I became instantly intrigued and connected with you. And I've never emailed somebody where I felt so much warmth and, and genuine goodness in someone just from an email. So I have to tell you that it's been really lovely just even communicating you with you just by email. Um, so thank you for coming on to talk about your gateless methodology, which we'll get into in a second. But before we start, I thought it would be helpful to have you introduce yourself and help us understand how you got to doing the work that you do today. That is such a nice introduction, and I felt the same about you. It's interesting that there isn't always that warmth of connection, and it's so nice when, when two people have it. So yes, I'm Suzanne Kingsbury, and I'm the founder of Gateless Writing and the Gateless Methodology. I came into the work through interesting channels. So the Gateless Methodology is actually about moving away from the cult of criticism and into a place where we're really just focusing on the power 
in ourselves and in our lives and eventually in each other. Where is the energy? What's working? What's making me feel joyful? And can I lean into that? So I came to it because I actually experienced, of course, the opposite, right? (laughs) So Mm. I was in marketing. There's a lot of criticism in deconstructing the paradigms in marketing and looking at what you're not doing well. You know, that's just part of the corporate um, culture. And also, I was eventually in a Master's of Fine Arts in Writing. And in this country in particular, when you go into a Master's in anything creative, it's based on the cult of criticism. It's based on deconstructing your work, telling you what's wrong, telling what you should be fixing. It's very patriarchal, in fact. And what I found was that the writing that I had been doing before I went into that program, which had gotten me to six-figure book deals, film options, international tours, was not happening because I was getting criticized all the time and I went into fight or flight and everyone around me was in fight or flight. So I studied creative brain science and the minds of ancient um, practices of, of Zen. When people were practicing ancient Zen techniques, what was happening in the brain? And I looked at how masters of, of creative works were actually creating and none of it had to do with criticism. In fact, the part of the brain that's associated with criticism and judgment is completely shut down when you're in your most creative space. That's Mm. what the brain science is finding. So that's what I try to recreate in retreats and one-on-ones and, you know, wherever, wherever I'm working. Wow. Okay. So how then did you, okay, so you went and got the MFA um, you tapped into this passion for writing, although the also the side of it where there is the focus on criticizing and deconstructing your work and not appreciating the creativity for the process. So how did you end up pulling this together? It sounds like you did produce a book and got on your path that way. Could you take us into your story a little bit more? Oh, definitely. So I was working a desk job. I had never even taken an English class in college. (laughs) I had tested out and decided to go into international affairs and marketing, economics, all all of that. And when I was in my free time, a vacation time, I was always writing, journaling, stories, that sort of thing. And sometimes even at my desk job, I would pretend that (laughs) that I was working and I would actually write stories. And what happened was that I saved money in order that I could take a year off to just write, not with the idea that I was going to be a writer, Michelle. It was just, I want to do this. I love to do this. And then I'll go off and I'll go back to, you know, grad school or become an attorney. I didn't really know what I was going to do. It was in my 20s. Mm. So I took this year off and I, I took a, you know, I left my desk job and I wrote a novel and at the end of that, with no experience at all, and at the end of that year, I sold the novel. I turned 30, and I sold the novel for more money than I'd seen in my life. It was the biggest book deal of that season. Miramax called that night. I went on a huge tour. I got international book deals. I mean, it was crazy. It's never what I expected. <laughs> oh, see, I don't even know this part of your story, so this is really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> goodness. And then I got another book deal. And, you know, Anne Hathaway was calling for the option. I mean, the whole thing was very surreal. 
particularly because I had never been one of those people who thought she would be a writer. I thought it was a hobby. And I never gave it the credence that this could be something. Nobody ever told me that there was anything other than the myth of the starving writer. And yeah, so I just had no idea writing could make me any money. And now, of course, that I've been in the industry for so long, I understand that the myth of the starving writer is definitely a myth. And I think part of me believed that my trajectory would just go on like that. And when I went into the master's program, I was blindsided because I'd never been in a writing workshop. So did the master's come after this whole book? Yes. I went on my second book tour. It was a 20-city book tour. And all the authors that I met said they had this master's in fine arts and writing. And I thought, oh. Oh, interesting. I'll go. And what I understood while I was there in the middle of my writer's block was that every, every single person around me had writer's block. They were writing from a place of deep anxiety about getting criticized wow. and the fight mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when I started to research what's actually happening. You know, when we are in the act of creation, what is happening to the brain? And that's what these neurosciences are, scientists are finding at Stanford, National Institute of Health, Johns Hopkins, that in fact, criticism is the worst thing that you can do to a creator because it shuts off your imagination, your long-term memory, your feeling of flow. You know, Mm. we've all heard about flow. It really is the worst thing that you can do if you're trying to reach creative heights. And that's true anywhere, whether you're a writer or a painter, a mother a spouse, a friend. I mean, criticism just doesn't work. No, it shuts people down. So this is actually really interesting. So I didn't realize. So you got the MFA after having had the success doing just in a natural way of going off writing. And so when you finished that process, did you go find an agent? I mean, how did, can you take us into the story and did your book actually become a movie? It was optioned, and it never became a movie. The man who was doing location scouting and that sort of thing, he told me, we're going to option it, but to actually make a movie is like shooting a bullet through a lifesaver a mile. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So that never happened. And your first question was about agents. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just curious. So you were doing this kind of, it sounded like without the criticism, without, you were just following what you wanted to do because you felt like you were called to write and this, you wanted to pursue something that made you happy. And so everything flowed. It obviously created a beautiful work that garnered attention and the desire to at least, you know, it became optioned to become a movie, even if it didn't become, it didn't be even though it wasn't made into one. Actually, tell us the title of your book, because I'm going to link it in the show notes. The first book was The Summer Fletcher Greel Loved Me. Okay. And the second book is The Gospel According to Gracie. I love those titles. Okay. And I got the agent because I went into the bookstore after I'd finished my book, And I thought, okay, my money runs out in my two months. So I'm going to go to the bookstore and look at books that I love. I was always reading and find who their agents are. 
And I scribbled them down in a notepad. I had about 12. And I sent a query out to them with some manuscript pages from the novel. And then I went to Mexico <laughs> because my <laughs> money was going to last longer there. <laughs> oh and I thought it took six, nine months, a year for an agent to get back because all I'd ever read about it were these agents sitting in offices with stacks of books, like walls around them. <laughs> so I just went to Mexico. And then a week later, I got an email from one of the biggest agents in New York. And she said, I want your book. Come wow. home. I, yes, I'm eight and a half months pregnant. And if I don't sell it now, I won't be able to sell it until after maternity leave. So then I got 10 more letters from people who wanted the book. I couldn't believe it. And I went to New York and she sold it at auction in under five days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is yeah. a great story. Okay. So um, that was easy for you without intending to be, right? But, mm -hmm. but part of that is you believe is because you didn't know what you didn't know in terms of what was taught in the MFA program and all of the other voices that come in. So is that what led you to creating your program? That's what led me to create my program because there is usefulness in learning the craft. I didn't know the craft. It was innate within me. And I believe storytelling is innate in all of us. And then it gets conditioned out. Mm. But I didn't know what I was doing. So one of the reasons I wanted to go back to school was so that I could learn what tools am I using? What are they called? How can I have more agency when I'm using these tools on the page? And what I found instead was this culture of criticism that was so debilitating and put me into writer's block after I'd never had writer's block. Mm. And that's when I began to study neuroplasticity, brain science. Uh, how, how can I help writers come to this place of complete joy with the process? Because obviously that's how we create our best work. Mm. And I started very, very slowly. I started with a few writers when I graduated from the master's program, I think it was eight in the first year and every single one of them got a book published. So wow. I really, yeah. So I realized it was a methodology that could work. I started gathering people in my house who were writers in my house. And some of them weren't writers. They liked to write. They had a journal, but I gathered them in my house on Tuesday nights and we'd all get together and drink wine and eat chocolate and write. And I always started with a deep, very relaxing, calming meditation and some Thai head massage. And then we would start writing and then we would read aloud and we would give feedback, but only about what worked and what was strong and what had energy and what had power. And what happens with the brain when we do that is that the reticular activating system kicks in. And that system in the brain is the same one that what you focus on grows. So these people were able to grow the part of their work that was very powerful. And I mean, one woman who had been blocked for years became a syndicated columnist. She's now a bestseller. What happens during this process is phenomenal. And you know what, Michelle? It's so fun. <laughs> okay. I'm so intrigued. So we're going to go deeper into the methodology. But now, did you stop writing your own books then? 
I did. It was interesting. I mean, I still wrote quite a bit, but I began to collaborate on people with their books. And what happened to me when I was writing my own books was a loneliness. I I love people. I want to be with people. I'm extremely social. So although I loved it, it was a tremendous amount of time alone. Mm. And when I began to grow gateless, it was this beautiful hive of all these incredible, mostly women. And we would get together, we would write, we would grow their businesses and with their books. And you know, there was just this energy about it that it's so weird because everyone who comes to me wants a book deal and I got the book deal and then I found this and it was so titillating and stimulating to me too. Mm. Well, yeah. Do it. Is, I think, go ahead, please. Yeah. I think it's like a service feeling that, that, that glow or that bliss of realizing that you're in service to something greater than the self. Mm. And that has, kept me going in a really energetic, beautiful way. And the people who come to Gateless, like you, you know, any, anybody who writes to me about Gateless has this, like you said, this warmth or this feeling of high energy, high frequency. It's very interesting who it draws Mm. and that (laughs) made all the difference. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's interesting because like I said, when I read on your website, the description, I was just immediately drawn to what you were doing and the curiosity was my curiosity was piqued and I I needed to know more which is why we're talking right now because it sounds like something that could benefit so many women if they could understand what's possible and what I love about your story uh Suzanne is how you followed what you loved and you did the book and it and and you sort of broke the myth that this idea of starving artists. And I was talking to a different guest about this, this idea that artists have to be starving and can't find success and all of that. And you realized as you went in deeper that as the teacher, as the guide, you found your, your home within where your gifts lied. And so it tied in all your passions and your ability to then help lift others, which clearly lifts you too, as you said, being in service. So all of it is so beautiful. Um, I guess now um, I, I think it would be so great to understand more about the methodology if we could go into it. Like who who is it for? And, you know, can it be used more broadly beyond writing? It's for anyone. It started for writers. And obviously when, when people came and just read their writing and heard what was powerful and beautiful and energetic about their work, it translated to their lives. So they walked out of my studio feeling like they could do anything. And in a way, it's a little scary because you mentioned Terry Trespigio earlier, who's one of my trained teachers. When she came, I said to her, "It, it will change your life. You might leave a relationship. You may leave a job. You And that's exactly what happened. She broke up with a relationship that wasn't feeding her. She left a job that was not using her in the best way possible and demeaning her. And now she has 4 million people on her TED Talk and she's running her own business and she's so powerful at what she does because the methodology gets inside of you, whatever you're doing. And you begin to look at your life through a lens of, what's powerful about me? So for example, we were talking about mothers before. And a lot of people who come to me who have been 
pregnant and in what, you know, what we like to call the baby cave, you know, <laughs> like the first three, um, they feel a little bit almost less than, you know, like, who am I now? I, I feel like I don't have anything. I, 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 I can't identify myself with anything more powerful. And what we try to do is then turn around and look at the birth experience as this extremely, extremely powerful act that they just completed that has everything in it that is equal to birthing something gigantic, which is the baby in their life. It could be a book. It could be, but that just the, the intention, the gestation, the birth itself, the fact that they're then in the child world, like all of that can be looked at for where is the power in that experience? What have you learned? What have you gained? And we're so used to people fixing us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I just actually, the, the podcast that, that goes live today, so this is a Wednesday and they come out every Wednesday, is on anxiety and a culture of never enough. Am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I producing enough? Am I making enough? You know, all of these cultural uh, pressures, especially in the United States, that are on us that make us feel like perfectionism is the goal versus really just owning our truth and being who we are. So um, it's, in, it's, it's synergistic with what we're talking about, which I, which I love. I'm seeing how it's correlated and it's kind of cool how the guests that I'm naturally drawn to are kind of saying the same message in a different way and through different means. Um, so Suzanne, take us into the Gateless methodology a little. I, I don't know how much, you know, you can walk us through, but you know, um, you mentioned the meditation and the Thai massage, but what's, and focusing on the positive of what's coming out of someone's writing, but take us a little bit deeper into the process. You really need three things for gateless. You need one radical nurturing, the ability to allow yourself to be nurtured, whatever that means to you, hot baths, massages, really writing a list of everything that's beautiful about you every night. And the notice here is that the critical voice will rise. Mm. It will rise and say, this doesn't matter. Why am I even doing this? Too soft is not strong. All those will come because that's the cult of criticism in our overarching culture. But radical nurturing is the first and the ability to see that that will make you strong. Mm. And the second thing is looking at what you feel might be broken inside of you as a power. So sometimes people will come and say, I'm too shy. I haven't done enough in my life because I'm too shy. So we look at where the shyness has power. Why is that good? What has that brought you? And as soon as we don't fight those things where we think we're broken, suddenly they become a superpower. And also we have enough confidence that we're moving out of the shyness. And that, too, feels very counterculture. Mm. How can I what I think I have to fix and find power there? But that is huge. And the third thing is understanding that you have resources, so many resources innately inside of us and also around us that we often forget to count. It's like people that come to the training will sometimes say, all, all I need is money. I could do what I need if I just had money. In fact, resources are so much more important than money. So resourcing, where are the resources coming from? How can I help you get more resources? What do you need 
That is the single question. Once you know what you need, then the resources come and we find how to resource for you. And that gives them agency. So those are really the three pillars. Now, beyond that is the brain science, the ancient Zen. When people come to a live event, they are always massaged. They're always given guided meditation. They're always fed gourmet food. All of this is put in place for them. So that they don't have to feel like, oh, God, I have to do this all for myself. It's done and they get a sense of how that feels and then they move from there into their lives. It's so beautiful. And do you do it in a group setting and over how many days? We do it. The retreats are in a group setting. People come Thursday evening and they leave Sunday evening. We try to keep them very small because it's much more relaxing for people to have it small and not as much pressure. So when I do mine, I keep them eight to 10 people. And when I do the teacher training, you know, the certification program in the Gateless methodology, which are really high achievers in their industries who come to learn the methodology and then integrate it into their work, that's a six-day program. And people are there from Monday to, to Saturday, and they really get immersed. And there's you know, a lot of body work. And again, they're being fed and really very nurtured in in their career lives as well as, you know, the the retreats are more writing and accessing creativity and the the trainings are really about our careers and our lives. Hmm. And how many years have you been doing this now, Suzanne? I have been doing it for over 10 years. So it started in 2007 and yeah, oh my God, it's 12 years that. right? on your 12th year. Yeah. That's amazing. Can you talk more about how your process helps people unleash their potential of the written word, you know, as a tool to guide their career, really achieve their creative freedom? Yeah, it's such a good question because content is everywhere right now, right? It's, everybody's talking about generating content. It's almost like it's you true. can't do anything unless you have the ability to generate content. We get very criticized for writing when we're growing up. Most people, when they remember what they wrote, remember red marks <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. from school of what they did wrong and how they should have structured different differently. So when people come to me and want to write, they feel a calling really to write or they want a book out there about their work. They're traumatized often by the mm-hmm. thought of writing a book. And what Gateless does is it moves into that trauma and releases it for the writer to show them that's just conditioned thought around this act of writing. That's not your innate talent, which you were born with. We were all born storytellers, right? From the Mm. very first moment when we were looking at the stars and said, oh, there's a guy with a bow and arrow in the sky, and I'm going to tell a story about that, or two fishes swimming in different directions, whatever we made up, we innately know story. And when we can reach in and show the writer where their innate storytelling ability is and where the genius, the creative genius to move towards meaning on the page is, it is incredible what can happen. Mm. Well, so many people want to write a book or just put their creative work out in the world. And when I say creative work, that could be anything. They could start a law practice. You know, it doesn't have to be something in the arts as far as I'm concerned. It's whatever they feel called to 
to do. What advice could you give to somebody to take that first step? I mean, a lot of times, like you said, there's been so much criticism that people lose their sense of confidence and they think, well, who am I to do this and why bother? What would you say to that? I think one thing that needs to happen, Michelle, is to understand that that voice that says, why bother? Who am I to do this? I'm not unique enough. I actually don't have time is a voice that we can capture in a journal or on the page, really write down everything that voice is saying. And when you do, it seems like, oh, I don't want to do that. Then I make it real. Right. <laughs> but in fact, what it does is it gets it out of the body into this external medium, which, which is a journal or on the page. And that act alone is completely transformative. What is that voice saying? Is it true? When's the first time I ever heard that? Was I born with this voice? That voice, once it's seen through, is very much like the witch in The Wizard of Oz that just melts once water is poured on it. It's the same thing. The attention to the externalized voice can really blow it away in an incredible way. But the other thing is the self-nurture. Step one, right? It's working, you have energy, all of those ways of looking at the self in a kind way. Right. Now that's and then what, what resources do you have? You know, we think we don't have a lot of resources, but we start to list them in the training. It's funny you mentioned attorney. We had an attorney in the training this summer, and she's like, I got nothing. <laughs> when we listed the resources, I got nothing. And then by the end of the training, she'd already conceptualized what her business would be, all the tiers of this new business. Mm. It really helps relax that sense of not enough that you were talking about earlier. What, so when you say resources, what do you, can you give an example of what a resource looks like? What, what does that mean exactly? Yes. Yeah, so people can be resources like, oh, I could actually call my friend John and ask him about ah. this. So you make of kind of what you need. And then there might be people that could help you or bits of time. Oh, yeah, I have that half hour before my daughter goes to ballet class. And I could write some emails in that half hour and reach out to these people and ask them if they'd be interested in me doing da-da-da. So it's resources of time that are hiding in the schedule, resources of people that are hiding in your life, resources that you haven't used for a while. Oh, actually, I'm a really good networker, and there's a score meeting next week that's mm. like a little cocktail. I'm going to go there because I know that I'm good at networking or whatever it is. So really looking for resources in the self, in the community, in in the schedule. That's great. That That's so helpful um, because we all do have more resources than we're aware. And I think, like you said, if you take the time to sit down and actually brainstorm and write them all down, you're like, oh, wait, I have so much available to me I didn't even realize. Um, what? Tell us more about the brain science behind it, though, because you said, you know, you, you did the MFA and, and at the same time, though, you started diving deep into the, the impacts and how the brain works. So how does that play in? I know you're doing the meditation, but can you t- explain why and how that part of the, the uh, part of it factors into the methodology that you offer? Yes. So methodology in particular is based on silencing the critical part of the brain. And there are a million ways to do that, that we work through. It, it depends on what 
what context you're approaching Gateless. So if you're a teacher, we do some things. You know, if you're in the academy, we do others. But basically, what we do in the brain science is really look at the part of the mind that that moves into fight or flight. And the way you know whether you're firing those neurotransmitters instead of the neurotransmitters that are joyful and blissful, like serotonin, sometimes dopamine, although that's a tricky neurotransmitter. Transmitter. When you look at what's really helping you feel fluid and joyful, you know that you're in the brain science that works. And if you're feeling constricted in the body, closed down, anxious, worried, not enough, those are the activities that are activating the fight or flight, which is you know part of the amygdala in the brain. So a lot of this is just kind of noticing the self and the people around the self. Like, huh, every time I spend time with her, I, I don't feel good. I feel, I feel yucky about myself. I go home, I kind of irritated with my kids. That's somebody that is reaching into that pattern of fight or flight, that pattern of not enough. And so really steering the ship around that because gaveless is actually around finding the fluid, finding the joy, finding what works, not looking to change that friend, but more who else makes me feel good and could I go towards that? And do you find that when people leave you though, Suzanne, through the training, I imagine that everyone's high vibing in a big way when they, they leave. Um, how do they go home and sustain that? Huge culture shock. I mean, we'll be real about it, right? We do this big ceremony at the end of even the three-day retreat where we really look at, okay, you know, four days we've been together. What's it going to look like when you go to the grocery store and someone, you know, makes a snap <laughs> comment at you and you're like, oh, the whole world is not gateless. It's, it's tough. But some of these things, like noticing when the critical mind comes in and writing into it so it's out on the page, writing is a huge help to getting through the critical mind. Not even You don't even have to be a writer. It's one of the best tools. You have a notebook and a pen, you're going to change your life. Mm -hmm. So when the critical mind comes up, it's really getting that out. What is it saying? And is it true? And then looking at what's great about the self. Look, I feel terrible about myself right now, but I'm going to look, I'm going to look at what that self is saying, <laughs> that critical mind. And then I'm going to look at what's powerful. What did I do well? How did I use my time wisely if I feel like I wasted it today? And then using it on the family. So using it on self first, then turning around. What does my husband do well? This can shift a marriage in huge ways. What is he powerful at? Where does he give me energy? And reminding that person, being gateless with the spouse, gateless parenting is gigantic. What is my child doing well? When he comes home from school and he's throwing his backpack on the couch and throwing his jacket on the floor, how can I first tell him what's working? And then say, you know what I love about you? You come home with so much energy. I can tell you love to be here. We got to pick up that coat. You know, so it's a different way of approaching. And kids are so resilient right away. They're like, oh, I'll pick up my coat. She's telling me what she loves about me. Oh, Why wouldn't you? That's great. It sounds like um, radical self-care and parenting yourself first. When you're saying it, it's like how we need, we needed to be parented, if you will, right? And 
being loving and building ourselves up and not focusing on those negative voices and doubling down on them and going, oh, yeah, not only (laughs) did you not do this well, but, you know, you didn't do this well either or you're always late or whatever it might be. It's uh, acknowledging, challenging those voices. If I'm hearing you correctly, I just want to make sure I'm getting this and then reinforcing and building up what you actually love and appreciate about yourself and what you're strong in. Is that right? Exactly right. And then the, the, the critical voice gets very sneaky. Hmm. Uh, this, this is silly. This isn't going to help me. How is this going to help me? I should go back to therapy. You know, whatever right. we say to it isn't nice. It will get very noisy around this, this process. And the reason that it gets very noisy is that the critical voice is addicted to stasis. It's addicted to us staying the same. It doesn't want you to expand. It doesn't want you to grow. It's afraid. And when you begin to do something creative or you step out and send that first email saying, hey, maybe I'm going to go back to school or maybe I'm going to ask this person if they need, if they have any openings or whatever, the critical voice gets very noisy because that's expansion. That's growth. So it's almost good when you hear that critical voice get very very strong, you know, oh, I just did something that could be growth producing. (laughs) I just must have taken a big step because this guy is loud right now. So it's also recognized. You're you're on the right path. You realize you're on the right path, actually. (laughs) It's a barometer, yeah, for for how expansive you are. So at the beginning of a gateless retreat, your voice, that voice gets very, very high before it relaxes. Which is why there's massage maybe for your head. <laughs> is that part of it? <laughs> to relax the brain and the sympathetic yeah. nervous system and just calm you down and um, chill you out a little bit so you can actually be okay with the, this change. <laughs> um, it's funny because two different guests now have, have used the phrase, the brain likes certainty. And, you know, yeah. when you're making change, then it shakes up the status quo, as you said, and that's scary. Um, so, um, I'm wondering, you know, do you have a favorite book or a resource, obviously, in addition to the work that you're doing, um, that you recommend to help somebody on their path? The first book I recommend is a journal. I would get a journal right away and write your own story and really make these lists and have it be a personal relationship with the self through those pages and, and look for the divine in there. You know, the, the, by divine, I mean, there's something that's greater than the human condition that can help out in times of crisis. So ask questions to the journal. What should I do? Why do I feel so yucky? You know, whatever your question is that day, should I, should I have done something differently there? I feel bad about such and such. These questions will actually get answered on the page by the higher self or by the part of the self that is not in the drama of the human condition. So the journal, I would say first, If you're wanting to be a writer, there's a great book by a woman named Brenda Uland, U-E-L-A-N-D, and it's called If You Want to and it's probably the best book on writing out there, and maybe the best book on creativity. I would say if there are a lot of women who are not necessarily writers, but wanting that creative edge and wanting to understand where they are in an archetypal story in their lives, Clarissa Pincola Essays, who is most known for women who run with the wolves, is a great person to read. 
This is great. I'm writing it down so I can note it later. This is so good. Let me ask you about the journaling, though, because I know I've talked to my higher self. I've gotten clarity. I've gotten answers that I couldn't have thought up. But when I'm in a fearful place, and I'm sharing this because I know I'm not alone in this, when I'm in a fearful place, if I'm anxious, if I'm worried, there's a huge block. How do you soften to get the block to shift so that you can actually reconnect? Such a good question, Michelle. So you want to write into the block and you want to do it in the second person. So pretend that the voice of anxiety is outside the self. It's almost like a character who's talking to the self and let it speak to you. And it might be a little bit mean because it's scared. If we're anxious, we're, we're, we're afraid. So let it speak. Michelle, you did this today. I wish you'd done that. Oh my God, this is going to happen. This terrible, terrible news is going to come at you. Whatever it wants to say, however hyperbolic it gets, just let it have its expression on the page. Because really what it's looking for is to be heard. And that's the best way to hear it. But it's extremely uncomfortable while you're writing. You write it and then you begin to ask it do you think this is actually true in very much the same way as you might ask your little child who comes to you? I'm afraid. I think there are monsters under my bed. I had a bad dream and I feel like you're going to die and I'm not going to have anyone. You know, they go off right. and you just, you listen, you never, never stop them from talking. And then you say, I wonder, do you think there really are monsters under your bed? Should we go look? And then it becomes a soft way of approaching the critical voice of let's really see if that's true. And once that happens, the anxiety begins to subside. All it wants is to be seen and to be heard. And then you can start to hear from the higher power, higher self. That's so good. Um, I'm wondering, actually, Suzanne, do you have a morning or evening routine that allows your creativity to flow and to keep aligned with that higher vision of yourself so that, you know, every day you feel like you're moving forward where you're aligned to go? Such a good question. You ask such good questions. Oh, well, some days roll out of bed and start like typing madly on my phone. You know, some days are just not, you know, they don't have that gift of, of a morning routine. And I like to say that because this every day, you have to do this every day. And then you'll feel, of course, we all want to do it every day, but I don't. <laughs> good mornings. <laughs> Um, I do have quite a routine. I do a whole routine that I figured out um, with you. I'm also a yoga instructor, and I have figured out this gateless yoga flow that moves the blocks out of the body. And then I meditate for maybe 15, 20 minutes, and then I do do this, what I call channeled writing, where I ask questions and I let whatever that is that you've experienced that comes onto the page, I let that move me and talk about my life, talk about direction, do a little bit of self-assessment, but in a very gentle way. Is there anywhere I need to be redirected? Am I really embodying what I want to put out into the world in a pure way? All those questions that I think help to realign us. But when we're really busy, I would say just a little of this, even touching it is great. And whether it happens at four o'clock in the afternoon because your, <laughs> your day got ahead of you or whether it happens at 7 a.m., I, I don't really think it matters. 
Yeah, I, I love that. And I agree with you. Um, Suzanne, this has been so good. Can you leave the women listening with your three best tips on how to unleash their creative path, whether that's to write or be an entrepreneur or whatever's in their heart to do? Well, three best tips. That's so beautiful. Okay. The first one I would say is sweeten to the self. Become the best friend of the self. Love the self. Parent the self. Really remember to find the abundance in who you are and the strength in who you are because it's completely there. The second thing I would say is don't beat yourself up over time. As long as you have the intention for a creative act, whether it's starting a business or writing your book or time will is malleable. Time is something the pharaohs made up in Egypt. It, <laughs> it doesn't even really exist. So relax around the time. Know that it will happen in its own time. It's a gestation. Think about pregnancy. You can't have the baby at four months. Mm -hmm. It's a huge, huge thing right now, time. So that's why I'm mentioning it. And the third thing is to really see if there's an availability for writing in the life. There might not be, but if there's just a little bit of it, even a tiny little notepad, that you can write out the critic, write out what's good about you, write out what you love about your husband. And all those things will, it's been studied quite a bit, writing, how it lowers trauma effect, how it lowers blood pressure, how it raises the immune system. It's a tool that we're not quite using to its capacity. And it's an incredible elixir and so healing and such a best friend. It's just a blank page waiting for you to fill it. It's so non-judgmental and available to you. And it costs, what, $1.99 at CVS. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I agree. Everyone needs to go get that journal. I 100% agree with that. And I think sometimes we get resistant to it. I don't know why, but we yes. maybe don't want to hear what it has to say, or we're afraid it's going to tell us something that we don't want to act on. I'm not sure, but I as you were talking, I was thinking, gosh, when I write and I do it on a regular basis for a while, I was doing Julia Cameron's morning pages from the artist way. And I loved that. And then when I stopped, I didn't go back. And so it just was making me think about, it doesn't have to be morning pages. It can be, I like communing the way you talked about it. That's actually where I most enjoy. So I think however it works for somebody um, is great. Um, before uh, Before we wrap up, I'm wondering, you know, is there anything else that you would like to share that you think would be beneficial to the women listening that I didn't ask you today? I just want to tell them that everything is possible with the approach of non-judgment to the self. You just did it, Michelle. It's I'm not writing my pages anymore. Why? Maybe I have a ton of resistance. I should be writing. Mm, And then suddenly there's a little shift. Mm. Hey, maybe I don't have to write them in the morning. Maybe morning pages aren't your thing. Maybe you're supposed to start your book. And that's what jives you up in Mm. terms of writing. Who knows? But it's really looking for that possibility that you are exactly the way you're supposed to be right now. And all you need to do is find your strength, find your power, find what's good in how you are today. So good. Oh, this is so good. Suzanne, where can I direct people to learn more about you and your work? Probably the best 
places just to the website. It's gatelesswriting.com. It's very easy, and you can just come and peruse it. And, you know, people are very free. We try to keep it very open that people can email us whenever whenever they want or to ask questions. And, yeah, just so just come on over. We love, love, love to meet new people. You're <laughs> so wonderful. It's such a pleasure to have connected with you by Skype. And especially after having emailed you and I had said to a friend, I was like, I'm really excited to interview Suzanne today. I said, we've just emailed and there's such warmth from this person. I've never experienced that before from an email. And I cannot wait to hear the messages that she's going to share with the women today. So thank you. I thought this was all so beautiful and profound and helpful. So thank you. Thank you. Well, Michelle, I just have to tell you that inquiry is one of the most transformational tools that we have in your inquiry is amazing. I mean, oh, you have the radio voice, but then you ask these questions and you don't surface it. I'm so used to having to kind of dumb it down, oh. <laughs> but it's not what you're here for. You really go into the depth and complexity of what's in front of you. And it's just so meaningful. It, it's so much gives me so much. I feel so inspired. Oh my goodness. Well, I feel inspired. So let's hope the women listening are too. I'm sure they will. Um, This has been so wonderful. So thank you. And I look forward to reconnecting with you again soon. Okay, my dear. Thank you so much. Okay. Now do you understand why I was so excited to share today's episode with you? I just loved everything that Suzanne shared and I love her mission in the world. So if you know of somebody else who would be inspired by today's conversation, please take a second to share it. Remember that all of the show notes can be found at thegoodlifecoach.com. And thank you for joining me for each and every week that you tune in. It means the world to me. I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.